Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. I love Jazz FM because... We play Jimmy Smith. That was Jimmy Smith with Stanley Turrentine with Prayer Meeting. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musician shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Jack Scott, co-founder of Dashwater, the British sparkling water brand infused with wonky fruit and vegetables. Growing up on a Shropshire farm supplying household brands, Jack saw how imperfect potatoes were rejected by the brands and sent to landfill or used as animal feed. Drawn to tackle the big problem of food waste, it was while working in sales at Corston Press that Jack and future co-founder Alex Wright saw an opportunity to make a healthier alternative to soft drinks using surplus food. After two years of crafting their idea and, as they say, accosting pedestrians in Battersea Park with fruit-infused water from a soda stream, Dashwater was launched in 2017. They're now one of the UK's best-selling seltzer brands and they launched their zero-calorie sparkling water with locally sourced misshapen fruit and vegetables to 1,500 Australian stores last year. It's lovely to meet you, lovely to have you here. We've tracked you down, as we do with many of our entrepreneurs that we have on the programme. This is really good. When you look at me holding dash water in my, my right hand, is there a huge sense of pride or is it something else, Jack? I definitely am really proud of what we've created at Dash. I think when you see someone in the street holding your product, that will never go old. But I think as we were talking about just before we came on air, you always want more as a sort of a small startup. So I'm constantly wanting more and feel like the brand has got a long way to go before I can be satisfied with our progress. But no, of course, I'm really proud and we've got an amazing team and I really love what I do. And where's this desire for more come from? Why is, why is Jack Scott driven in the way he is? Yeah, I think from a very early age, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, specifically in food and drink. I come from an, an arable farm in Shropshire, and I think being around the crops and being around the farm, I always just wanted to be involved in, in food and didn't want to necessarily go down my, my father's route, which was a more of a traditional farmer but perhaps use the the fruit or the veg or the crops in a different way. So creating a brand really excited me from from an early age. And that's where, you know, that entrepreneurial sort of spirit comes from. I think all farmers are very entrepreneurial. So perhaps a Mm. lot of that came from from my dad. I think that's true actually about farmers. We don't often say that. People think of farming, I mean, obviously as incredibly hard work and tricky economically. Yeah. regardless of subsidies or membership of the European Union or not. It's just tough, right? Yeah. But entrepreneurial, actually, is not a word that most of us think about. And what did you observe of your father yeah. in that role? How would you, what kind of entrepreneur was he or is he? Yeah, I think you need to be incredibly resourceful on a farm because, as you say, everything is, is very tight at the moment and has been for quite a long time. So it's always sort of understanding or seeing some of the different projects that they've got going on to perhaps diversify or, you know, create revenue in slightly different ways. So 
I think when I was growing up, I was sort of always very interested in, in that part of the, the business as well. Do you remember how young you were when you were interested? I mean, were these kitchen table conversations? <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? It's like some yeah. people, you know, you, I imagine not all farmers' children want to become entrepreneurs. No. Some probably want to run literally from the hills. Yeah. And others just kind of go, well, I'll take over the family business. And yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, that's a, that's a tough call. But they yeah. don't think about, no. I might go left and right. And what about, wh- when did you start? Yeah thinking like that. Well, I had friends who told me we were coming out of a, a history lesson when we were about 12. And he, I said then I would love to start a food and drinks business. So it's <laughs> quite As you a, do. Jack, qu- Jack Scott, normal 12-year-old. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty... I just couldn't believe that. But he was like, you, that's, what, that's what you said. And also from a very young age, I remember the supermarkets going around in the trolley with my mum and seeing all these amazing brands around me. And I was sort of, from a very early age, really interested in you know, why they exist, what they mean to people, you know, looking at a cereal pack on, on your breakfast table and loving the stories on the back. And, and those really sort of uh, captured my imagination and were really sort of inspiring, I think, within me. Um, and then over time, I think, became more and more interested in the industry. You were mentioning then that your friend was reminding you of your 12-year-old self that wanted to, you know, set something up. You went and did some other things before you set something up. I mentioned Causton Press. Um, I think you had an internship at Vesti Foods. What was that like? Was it you knowing that you were passing through and that you wanted to learn? And and if so, what was your attitude in that in that period? Yeah, I think I was quite clear visioned with that. I always knew that I wanted to start up my own business within food and drink, and then I would sort of plot my way of like how was I going to do that and it was about being around people who had successfully done it previously um, and trying to sort of take in as much information as possible for our industry one of the key you know the hardest things is getting products on shelf so sort of started from the bottom bottom selling cans out of my rucksack going into places and really understanding that sort of retail nuts and bolts and also selling something so that was something that i was really keen to get under my belt to Mm. understand the industry and then i met alex who was my you know co-founder which was you know a hugely important moment to find someone and we started scheming about different ideas with a shared interest in in food waste and that's when we sort of came up with the idea of of dash so it was at our previous roles where we met so these are all really important moments. moments. And in the same way, the farm experience yeah. and the potatoes that didn't make the cut, yeah. were all these things suddenly coalescing into, hold on a minute, what if the stuff that doesn't make the grade could be mixed with da da da, da? And is that, as you look back, nothing's ever quite yeah. linear or logical, but did you see those pieces colliding in front of you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I have such vivid memories of being on the potato grader on the farm in, in Shropshire at the end of our summer holidays and asking my father where where were these smaller potatoes going or ones with the slight blemishes. And these are the were, ones that didn't make it. They didn't make it and they were going off on another conveyor. I feel like I want to adopt them. <laughs> yeah. They didn't make it. It's okay. Come here. You'll um, be safe. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Dad was like, well, they're going to, to that heap over there or they're going to use as animal feed, which you know, it was a, a tremendous amount of waste in energy, time and resource because the buyer didn't want the smaller potatoes because they wanted to make perfectly formed chips. So those sorts of moments meant that, you know, there's something in that and we should, you know, really champion or celebrate 
fruits of all shapes and sizes. Um, so I thought it was a, a great opportunity to then make our, our sparkling water, which we use this lower grade fruit that other people say no to. Stay with me for much more from my guest, Jack Scott. We'll be explaining how the moment in 2017 happened, and I'm, I'm intrigued to know just how you actually got it over the start line, as it were. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. Right now, though, we're going to hear a taster from the Mishcon Innovation Series. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. Natasha Knight invites business founders to share their industry insights and practical advice for those of you thinking about getting into an industry and starting your very own thing, just like Jack. And in this clip, it's focused on retail. We hear from Tamor Atagechi, founder and CEO of Papier, an online stationery brand. The Mishcon Innovation Series. Insights from founders for your future business. In association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. The main thing I would say is not to be afraid. I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't do things that they want to do. And, and the biggest reason for it is, is fear. Fear that they don't have enough experience. Fear that they don't have the qualifications. Fear that, you know, for some reason or another, they're not equipped to do something. And I think actually, you know, my biggest advice is is, is ignore all of that. Uh, you know, I didn't do anything in retail. I'd never worked in a retail company. I'd never worked in an e-commerce business. I'd never built a brand before. So you don't need any of those things. What you do need are some kind of core values, you know, perseverance and, you know, and also ultimately that real passion for actually building something from scratch, uh, which I think if you've got that, the rest will follow. When it comes to retail, I, I love being able to, you know, sell to customers. I love basically being a consumer facing business. And that's one of the nicest things about retail is you are delivering something that the consumer needs every day uh, and you get to speak to them and meet them. I mean, we don't have a shop. We're a digitally native online e-commerce brand, but we still get to see and know that there are thousands of customers every day that's using the product. And I think that's that gives you a real thrill. And everyone I know who works in retail just has that big buzz of knowing that they are delivering you know, tens of thousands of products to customers day in, day out. The Mishcon Innovation Series, in association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. All our former business shapers await you on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And you can, of course, hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest there is Jack Scott, co-founder of Dashwater, the British sparkling water brand infused with wonky fruit and vegetables. So I'm going to take you back to 2017. You're probably 26 years old. A fine age, Jack, to start your own business. So you and Alex have met. You're, you're doing your stuff the beginning, the moment of creation, yeah. um, when it was actually a thing, yeah. what did that feel like? Well, we launched into Selfridges as our first listing. So we thought that that would be an amazing sort of place to start. I remember it so well. It launched at around sort of lunchtime on a Saturday and me and Alex were there with our, with our cans sampling to... In the food hall. In the food hall, sampling it to various different people. So it was it was a great memory. And then it's all been a bit of a blur since then. Yeah. Um, we started off with places like Selfridges, Whole Foods, Planet Organic, which we call Beacon accounts. And they meant that other accounts would hopefully follow suit because there was this new exciting drinks business that they should also stock. And part of that was coffee shops, boutique gyms, delis. So we would 
me and Alex would try and get around 25 accounts a day when we first got hold of the, the cans. How did you do that? Was it just physically getting out there and seeing people? Yeah, exactly. Getting into as many accounts as possible. We would give them free cans and see if it sold off the shelf. And luckily, a few people bought it and we were able to gain a little bit of traction set up with some wholesalers. And that's sort of where it sort of started. To, but just give me a sense, because yeah. I'm, I'm often intrigued by this bit, because it's where the rubber hits the road. You're, you're going to a new place. You fixed up a meeting. Yeah. You go and enter into flashy gym in the middle yeah. of Soho, London, yeah. England, and you start having a conversation. How does the conversation start for, for you? They yeah. don't know you. They've never yeah. heard of Dash. You've got a bit of traction because yeah. you're in self, but not very much. No. What do you actually say? What's What gets it over the line? Yeah, so... It's, there's quite a few sort of sales tactics. I mean, first of all, you want to try and speak to the decision maker. So it's just trying to understand who that might be. And first off, we would do a very soft sell. We would make sure the cans were cold. We'd have a nice little leaflet talking about what the product is, what, what, what we stand for, the wonky fruit message. And we'd put that leaflet with the two cans and say, look, I'd love for you guys to, to try that. Here's my contact details. And that would be the first bit. And then you come back the next day and hope that they tried it. And that's when you'd be send them an email and try and get a face-to-face -face meeting with them. And then hopefully after that face-to-face -face meeting, you have an opportunity to, to get stocked. But a lot of rejection. A lot of rejection, I imagine. But if it wasn't great, yep. if it didn't taste great mm. and it wasn't great, would, would we not be sitting here? I mean, it sounds an obvious thing, but there's all the sales you can do in the world. But if yep. the product's not great, then it's not going to sell. Absolutely. Yeah, so the... At the end of the day, if, if you put the product on their shelf and no one buys it, then they're not going to be interested in purchasing it off their wholesaler going forward. And rather than people thinking, God, you're sounding absolutely um, facile to say if it doesn't sell, it doesn't help. My point is yeah. really you have to be very structured in, in reaching out. But in reality, it's about getting it in front of somebody and then the product does the talking. So your job at that point was to be super tenacious and Absolutely. energetic yeah. rather than having some magic set of words that did, did the act itself of getting it into Yeah, the... No, tenacity is one of our values that we've got on the wall in the office now. And it's as an entrepreneur, especially in the drinks industry, it's all about tenacity and making sure that you're being consistent with your comms and you, you do what you say. There are, you know, there are, you know, little things that we would do to help. Like we would definitely go and buy the odd can of, of Dash when it was on the shelf and tell your friends to go to the local coffee shop. But that's all, all part of the fun and does help a little bit in those very early days when no one knows about Dash or no one knew about the, the product back then. So there are a few tactics. People know it now, so hopefully you don't have to resort to, can you just go down to the local cafe, Elliot? That would be great. Yeah. In terms of growing this business, obviously it's still quite young. You're, yeah. you're, you're five years in since you were chasing people around Bassey Park saying, try me. Um, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. And you said tenacity is one of the, the values of the business. Scale is really important in this. If you're going to attack the food waste problem, mm. you need. it's great to have the idea, which, which you know is important. I had the founders of Oddbox on a while ago, attacking the same problem, which is, which is fabulous. The challenge of making it bigger, of industrializing something like this is really hard. Which levers have you pulled in order to grow? Because I know we, we, I mentioned you're in Australia. Yeah. Canning is a business, it's yeah. a thing. And I think I read somewhere that at the beginning it was kind of like we were going to do this in a smaller scale. Well, and then we yeah. realized, tell me about scale and how you view that. Yeah, so for soft drinks in our world, we really do need to, to get to scale for it to become, you know, a really interesting business. You know, we need to be selling lots 
of the same product to get that economies of scale, to get cost reductions. And because it's incredibly competitive world soft drinks, which is dominated by huge multinationals, the Coca-Colas, the PepsiCos of the world who are able to, to create their product for a lot less. So we've always tried to be really aggressive with our scale. And that started off small, but we've always had big ambition for the brand and believe that it's a brand that can become a household name in the UK. And that's really is our ambition. And we started off in those smaller accounts, but really proud that recently we, we launched into Starbucks and also Tesco, which is super exciting for the brand. Has scale always been the ambition? And if it has, what stopped you along the way? I mean, you need you obviously need money to do that yeah. and funding, which obviously if you're a small business, small turnover is hard. And I know you have some interesting investors. That's obviously a really key lever for you. Yeah. Are you really comfortable having other people in, involved in the, in the share of the business? Or has that been a bit of a, I'm having to let go of my little baby here? I think going into creating the business, we knew that this industry is very expensive to get into and to create scale. So we, Alex and I were always under the, the impression that we were going to have to raise capital. And the easiest way for that is giving away some of our equity. So to use that to our advantage, we've made sure that all of the investors that have come into the business would add value to us and really help us scale the business. So help us with those different hurdles throughout. So whether it's to do with manufacturing, whether it's people who are YouTubers who help us with brand awareness, or whether it's the founders of Sipsmith Gin or Logan from Beavertown, all guys that have scaled premium products here in, in London. So they've been imperative for, for our growth. And they sound, they sound quite, quite strategic partners. Did you go after them? Did you essentially initiate the conversations with them? Yes, definitely. Uh, again, it's back to that tenacity. And we aimed really high and we wanted the, the best people for us to, to come on board. Um, we were lucky. There were a couple of people who really saw the category and Dash emerging. An American investor who was director of Fiji Water, his wife picked up a, a, a can in, in Selfridges and I got a call in the middle of the night saying, hey man, can I invest in, in your sparkling water business? So there are occasions where people have approached us cold, but mainly it's approaching them. It feels like the moment's coming. You, 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 and and it's been coming for a while, Jack. You know, you start in a small place. You focus on the independence. You've then got great people with you who have got smart money, not just money, and and all of that. What's going to stop you? What's going to get in the way of you know you realizing your dreams and your potential? Well, our main mission, aside from from food waste and really shining a light on food waste at farm level is to get people off sugar and sweetener. For too long, soft drinks have just been full of artificial sweeteners or, or sugar. So we really need people's palates and people to really buy into this more unsweetened, flavoured water sparkling. Um, but I hope you agree that it's it's full of, you know, natural flavour. <laughs> I feel like you're going to do a research group. Elliot, I hope you agree that actually <laughs> the taste is rather wonderful and you can, your palate can be adjusted. Yeah. As it happens, I, I mean, I love sugar. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we all like sweet things, but this is, this is yeah, feel, you feel better, I yeah. guess, is what you would say. And that's, the, that's your mission, is it, to help people realise that? Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't be taking on all of that sugar. And we really don't believe in artificial sweetness. So all of those diet soft drinks... We think, of, we think of the devil. So 
we we need to get people off those drinks and get them drinking more healthy soft drinks like like dash and and sorry but to to do that though because if if, yeah. if there's obstacles what's going to is the point that that's going to take a while because obviously changing people's tastes is a difficult thing absolutely and it's it's convincing the retailers as well to give the category you know that space and attention mm. to offer it to to people luckily with with dash that we do sell a lot direct to consumer so we're able to bypass the retailers in a sense and get sort of directly into people's homes but i think that would be one of our our main barriers is the this seltzer category a soft seltzer category really exploding and we want dash to be at the forefront of yeah. that so it's essentially creating a category as well yeah. as, as well as selling your brand do you feel now 5 years in that you're about 100 years older than you were when you set this business up? I definitely can't remember life before Dash. <laughs> um, so it feels like an extraordinary length of time, but it's only been five years. And um, how, how do you keep sane? How do you keep focused and not yeah. you know, stressy about the whole thing? Because you're, you're young, Jack. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not that young. You're, you're hurtling towards mid-30s. Yeah. He says half jokingly, <laughs> but you know, you, 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 your experience on the planet is not that long. But you've had incredibly intense experience in the last five years, which is very different to just sort of sitting there doing a job. Yeah. How do you retain your your yeah. calm and your balance? I think when we first started, that was the most intense time because you're on top of each other. You're you're not experienced. You know that it might not work, or um, you couldn't celebrate the wins. Whereas since then, we've had an an amazing journey, which has been a lot of fun. And we now have very experienced people within the business who have done it previously who have good experience. So, of course, your worries change. But I feel that over time, it's become a little bit easier. And I know that we've got a, a great team and have full confidence that we're able to, to carry on. So I feel good. And in terms of your own, you know, you started off saying, I'm, I know I'm not satisfied. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. Will you ever reach the moment where you go, aha, uh -huh, it is done. My work is done here. Or is that just not part of Jack's DNA? Yeah, no, I can't see that moment with Dash yet. I think longevity is really important for me. So I'd love Dash to be around for a very long time. So it's making sure that all the foundations and the business is built in the correct way for that future growth. You're very methodical. <laughs> You're very methodical. Continue to be methodical, and I hope you continue to enjoy yourself. Thank you for, for sharing some dash with us. Uh, raspberries, peaches, and all sorts of other flavours here. Thanks, Elliot. Uh, it's great to be pleasure. on. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So it's by Nina Simone, and it's Ain't Got No, I Got Life. And why, I mean, it, I find it very uplifting and spiritual listening to that on the way into work. That was Nina Simone with Ain't Got No, I Got Life, the song choice of my business shaper today, Jack Scott. He talked about growing up in a farming family and how a farming family is an entrepreneurial family, and that's really impacted him super positively. He talked about creating a category and what that means and how creative you really need to be and how much you need to drive stuff if you're going to make that a reality. And he talked about the importance of tenacity in all of this, and boy, did he exhibit a lot of that and will continue to do so, I'm sure. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business, but it's personal.
We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.